0: You guys can go ahead and be seated. Today we're continuing in our Christmas at the Movies series, and if you're just hopping in with us, I'd just like to lay my goal straight out there for you. We are here to ruin your favorite Christmas movies for the rest of your life. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yeah. No. What we're really trying to do is I want to tie scriptural truths into the stories that are so familiar to you. So that when you see them, when you watch them with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, it will be an opportunity for you to share about God's goodness, for His plan, about what you're learning in your spiritual life. I want to make sure the message and meaning, the biblical message and meaning of Christmas is intimately tied into our Christmas celebrations. And so we are invading your Christmas movies. And today, the, the movie that we're going to tie into, it's, it's connected to a theme that's familiar to us because we see it happen all throughout our culture uh, in, in ways that make sense and in ways that don't make sense. You guys have seen someone put on the, the badge of honor of the statement, well, I am offended, right? I mean, people get offended about lots of weird things today, and, and we can joke about those, but at the same time, we've been offended and we've been hurt by things were significant. And where some people like to scream about being offended, we often take something that really has hurt us, and we bury it. And we don't deal with it. And we let it fester, and we let it damage other relationships. And this wound that we have from someone else, it begins to affect people who had nothing to do with it. And we we have to deal with offenses, otherwise we might turn into someone like the Grinch, right? Uh, you're familiar with the story of the Grinch. The, Dr. Seuss is classic. It's a movie many of us watched. It's been redone lots and lots of times, and I'm going to show about a five-minute clip to introduce you. If you're not familiar, you haven't seen, there's a new edition of the Grinch that came out in 2018, and we're going to take some truths from what happens in the story of the Grinch and apply it to our life as we study scripture as well this morning. Go ahead and play the first clip from the Grinch.
1: Bigger? That, 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 that's a hundred times bigger. Oh, you just wait till we light it tonight. It'll sparkle so bright, you'll be celebrating Christmas with the rest of us. Uh-oh! Uh. <sighs> oh, man, I can't wait! I'm gonna keep at it! I'll see you later, Grinchy. No! You will not see me later! And I will not be celebrating! And that tree. That tree has got to go. It is time to light this beautiful tree. 17, 18, 19, and 20. <laughs> okay, lock and load. All right, just attach this here, and we'll be ready to launch. I <laughs> know! I wish I could see the look on their faces. Okay, Okay. oh boy That could be so much worse
0: Let's begin the countdown
1: Oh, 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 no, no! Oh, 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 oh. Ah! <sighs> <sighs> no! <sighs> he walked through the crowd and the sound and the lights, and his ears heard the thump of their joy and delight. And it took him right back to his earliest years to that lost, lonely boy who cried all of those tears. That lost, lonely boy, isolated and sad, with no home of his own, no mom and no dad. And as the Grinch looked around, he felt downright scared. As he remembered that Christmas Where nobody cared, where nobody showed, not even a flea, and there were no cards, no gifts, and no tree. (laughs) And as he watched other kids, one thing became clear, (laughs) that this was the single worst day of the year now here it was that day once again and he felt all those feelings he felt way back when when he'd watch who's young and old all sit down to feast and they'd feast and they'd feast and they'd feast 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 they'd feast on who pudding and rare who roast beast which is something the Grinch could not stand in the least and then they'd do something he liked least of all Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the who's would start singing. they'll sing, and they'll sing, 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 sing. Yes, he couldn't recall without feeling the sting. So the Grinch finally declared,
0: I must stop this whole thing. Everybody who's a Grinch has a reason for being Grinchy, don't they? They have a backstory, they have a reason. Sometimes we see someone who isn't really in the, the mood to celebrate Christmas, but, but we don't know why. Sometimes it's their first Christmas with dealing with the loss of a loved one, a change in family situation. We, we don't always understand what's happening beneath the surface, but the thing that we do know is that when there's something under the surface, that if it doesn't get dealt with, it just gets worse. That, that bitterness that, that is there, that is buried because of a past offense, if it doesn't get dealt with, it affects all kinds of things. I mean, when he begins to hear Christmas music, just even as he lays in bed, he's angry at the hearing of Christmas music. Kind of often, it's kind of the same way of when we hear someone's name who hurt us in the past. Just the feeling of the letters of their name coming through our mind—it brings up anxiety and stress. When we think of the offenses that we have that we haven't dealt with yet. Anything that reminds us of it, it, it kind of brings out those, those same pains. And really, that's a that's thing that we have to deal with. Today, the passage that we're going to study alongside um, looking at some, some of the things we can learn from the Grinch is in Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bible, you can flip there. We'll, of course, project the words on the screen as well as I read them. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 14, it starts off, and look at the way that it describes the way that we get along together. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord and I want to keep that on the screen and pause there for a minute because man this could be almost described as a pessimistic view of the way that the church was going to work out the apostle Paul is writing here and he's describing what would be Christ's body and he says this is how you're going to manage to get along with each other is going to be work (laughs) it's going to be it's going to be strenuous I mean, this is a description that's given in Scripture of the way that we're going to get together. Work at it. Work at living in peace. Peace isn't going to just come naturally amongst you and other people or just amongst people who are within the church. The description that we're giving is that it's going to to be work. And on top of that, work at living a holy life. When you begin to try to follow God, there are callings that He's going to place on your life And it's not going to just feel like an easy step to take. At times it's going to feel like work. It's going to be striving. It's going to feel like an athletic competition. It's going to take all of your energy. Work at living a holy life. And in this last section that I want to make sure that we clarify, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Holiness, the holiness that we get to know that we are saved, the holiness that we we need to get into heaven, it's not something that you can earn, and so this is not describing that. This is not describing what is given to us as a gift, because we can't ever be holy enough on our own to be acceptable to God. That is given to us through faith. What what we know is, is that we are saved by faith and not works, so that none can boast. It's not what you can do. And so what this is getting at and how I would just quickly explain this to you is when it says that those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Holiness is a gift that we receive through faith in Christ. And some of us, we've been around the church and we've put on a pretty good act. We've put on a pretty good show that to most people would, would kind of buy in, but we know that God is not in a place that would be described as Lord in our life. God does not have authority over who we are. His word doesn't direct our steps, and when we want to do what we want to do, we just always do what we want to do. And that's the description of a false faith. For if we put our faith in him, then he has authority. And it's not that we're perfect, and it's not that we always choose what is right. But he knows that within our heart, we've said, God, you are in the first place. I understand that you are Lord, you are Savior. It's only by your death on the cross and your resurrection that I have holiness and new life. That person, though they mess up, he sees and he judges. And you know the saying, only God can judge me? That's what this is determining to. God knows your heart. And you can't judge anyone else and what they've decided about God, but God knows your heart, and He will judge on a day. And there are those who, in appearance, look like they're following God, but their heart is far from Him. They pay Him lip service, but their actions have nothing to do with Him. And there is a truth within the church that, that holiness belongs to not, all, not always those who look holy on the outside, There's time and there's growth and there's change, but it's just this checkpoint within yourself of have I given my heart to God? Is he in a position of authority in my life? And so just summarizing in verse 14, work at living in peace. Work at living a holy life. Understand that that those who are not holy will not see the Lord. There is a requirement that was paid by Christ. And then going into verse 15, it gives us this calling. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Understand within this calling that, you know, the Grinch, he, he was ready to go do his life up on the mountain. You can't follow Scripture and live that kind of lifestyle. You can't be the, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I, I don't really like the church. That doesn't work scripturally. You, you can't live your life saying, oh, I hate the church, but I love Christ. When Christ says, I am crazy about the church, as big of a mess as she is, she is mine. I died for her. I sent my Holy Spirit to her. I continue to work through. He is in love with the church, and you can't do your life hating whom he loves. And his instructions to us are to invest in each other, like in verse 15, when it says, look after each other, so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And it gives this calling, watch out, that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. We're really going to try to focus into this concept of bitterness. And what is bitterness? Bitterness is an offense that we've left unresolved. Bitterness is getting hurt and allowing it to just stay there. Bitterness is the, man, if I ever saw this person out of the grocery store, I would, I would, I would go to a new grocery store. I don't even want to hear their name. I don't want to meet someone who shares a name with them because they so offended me. And if you feel like you have a name that pops up in your head when I say that, I want to encourage you, God doesn't want you to live your life feeling that way. Bitterness, it's not just destructive to you. It's destructive to the people around you. It spreads. It it uses the illustration of a root. It's like you can't really see it because it's just underneath the surface, surface, but it doesn't take long to realize that it's there. And once you realize that it's there, it's usually spread further out than you realize. This root of bitterness, it, it needs to be dealt with. Bitterness, this concept of unresolved offenses, you know, the way that I'll start off saying it is that if we have unresolved offenses, offenses in our life, it will turn you into a Grinch. If you allow pain of the past to be stay there and not be dealt with, it's going to turn you into someone like the Grinch. You know, I'll use church as an illustration for this, but it happens in so many different areas of our life. People get hurt at church, and, and they decide, well, you know what, I got hurt there, so I'm, I'm going to live my life for Christ apart from the church. But unfortunately, Scripture time and time again calls us to invest into the church. Even as verse 14 describes it as being work. Now, there's part of our dreamy mental concept of church that, you know, once we're at church, everyone should be a Christian there, everyone should be following scripture there, and everything should just be like rainbows and cupcakes. It should be perfect at church all the time. But that concept that we have within our mind, it has to butt up against the truth of scripture where it says, work for peace within the church. Work for peace within your relationships. There will be struggles. Scripture gives us time and time again designs for how to solve conflict within the church. And if there wasn't going to be conflict within the church, those instructions wouldn't have to be there. But it is. And so this is the unfortunate truth of where the rubber meets the road within your Christianity. Sometimes you're going to get hurt at church. Sometimes someone's going to offend you. Sometimes you're going to offend someone else. And that is just part of life. What shouldn't be part of life is you allowing an offense to grow underneath the surface of your life and consume you and constrict you and pull you away from people that God has called you to love and encourage. We we don't want to be the type of person who, who allows that offense to grow. And not only that, when it comes to the topic of church and pulling ourselves away, it's it's bad for the church because there's a gift inside of you that the church needs, but it's also bad for you because you become isolated from something that was supposed to be part of your foundation. You become isolated and lonely from a group of people that are supposed to be breathing life into you, encouraging you, spurring you onwards towards Christ. But if we allow an offense to just kind of reign and stay there that it hasn't been dealt with, it's going to pull us towards missing our purpose, missing our calling. It's going to start to cause green fur to grow out of your skin. You're going to stop wearing clothes and live up on a mountain and try to steal Christmas from Cindy Lou Who. It's going to be a bad situation. But it all starts, and in this story, it all starts with the bitterness of growing up and missing out. And I mean, that's not a fun story for, you know, if you're like me that grew up in a broken household, like not having parents around, like that's not really a, a joking matter. And I, I want to say that as we talk about the offenses that we have in our life, you know, some of them are, are deep and some of them are painful and some of them are wounds that take years to heal. And I want to say that this, this message is even more for you. This isn't just the lighthearted, like the person Said that this seat was their seat at church, stupid offense that happens. Like, this is like a father that didn't fulfill their role. This is like a spouse that left. This is like someone who stole, someone who abused. Those offenses, for your own sake, the most important ones to heal. Because those are the ones that don't just stay within you, those are the ones that begin to impact other people, impact impact you in a way that's continuing because it's like, you know, when I, when I think of that, it brings back all those pains. Like in, in the movie, when, when the Grinch was thrown back into the celebration of Christmas, the painful part of it was that it brought him back to that childhood pain, that pain that hadn't been healed, that unresolved tension that was there. And it, it, this is one of the second truths about unresolved offenses, that um, it, it will continue to wound you. One of the reasons why we need to get into that messy situation where we, we grab the roots and we pull them out of the ground and we create a huge mess is because we, we recognize this pain needs to stop at some point. I can't continue to feel this. I can't continue to try to cover this up with dirt. Like this needs to be pulled out of my life and this place needs to heal. Because if I don't do this, it's just going to continue to hurt. It's going to continue to feel. When I hear that name, when I see that face, when I see that holiday, it's going to continue to cause me pain. And if we don't resolve it, we're just going to keep getting wounded. Like I, I, I'm reminded of this when it comes to our unresolved pains of not dealing with it. If you've ever been a parent, you've experienced this. When you're trying to get your kid to eat a vegetable, and they're having a problem doing it, and so they take a bite, and they chew it, And 15 minutes later, will you just swallow the food? You don't like green beans. Why are you still chewing on that one bite? Well, I don't like them. Well, then get them out of your mouth by just eating them. Just deal with it. Just do it. Finish what you need to finish. And we see that in children. It's like they they, they hate the food, but they just continue to not just finish the job of eating the food. In our own life with offenses, it's like, we hate that this happened. Then why do you keep living in the emotion and the feeling of that pain on a regular basis? I understand that there's going to be a moment where it's difficult. There will be tears. There will, there will be work that is a part of this. But let's deal with this so that you stop experiencing it. God's desire for you is to be whole and healed. With that healing process, yes, it can be difficult at times. But especially on the deeper wounds, man, we need to get to a place where the pain has been dealt with. Allowing God to begin to to resolve these things, opening them up to him. Conflict is part of it. And and especially in relationships with other people, it's part of us that says, I want to resolve this, but the other people in the equation, it's impossible because they're impossible. It's their fault that I can't resolve this. Well, guess what? Scripture has spoke to this. The Apostle Paul, he spoke to this. In fact, the way that he describes it in Romans 12 is he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. And there's something about God and who he is that even when we go to someone and we seek restoration and healing, we seek dealing with pain that happened. Even if they say, oh no, it was your fault. No, it was someone else's fault. It was the weather's fault. It was, it was just not my fault. Even when they push all the blame in a different direction, God does something in our heart where he says, I see you, son. I see you, daughter, taking steps of faith. I see you trying, and I'm going to meet you there, and I'm going to heal you there. I see your obedience to me, and you're going to see that as you follow Scripture's instructions, it doesn't matter how they react to the situation. God's faithfulness is going to show up, and you're going to begin to feel, okay, God is at work in this. I, I can feel the offense being removed. And when the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, you know, as far as it depends on you, live at, all, at peace with all men. Like, he's experienced this because he had problems keeping peace with people, if you read through the New Testament. I mean, there was a time where John, who was called Mark, w- was working with him in the ministry, and then he left and went home, and then when Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark with him again, he said, No! That kid's a quitter. We're not bringing him. And the division was so sharp between them that the two split directions. And Paul wouldn't even work with Barnabas right then because Barnabas was taking John Mark and going out to do work. Paul had issues getting along with people. Paul was flogged five times by the Jews. He was almost put to death through stoning. He had people problems at different times. And so he understood that there's a part that you can do, but you can't do everything. One of the cool things that I think about Paul's story is you study it through the different books that that later when he's in prison, he actually requests and says, hey, would you send John Mark to me because he's of benefit. He was someone, even when he messed up, he would come around on it and he would say, hey, I see how God's using that person. Even when he said, I won't even work with that person. I mean, there's times where Paul was applying the things that he was teaching us. And that's why they're so important. And so when it comes to you seeking, you know, dealing with an issue with someone, it does you don't get to use the excuse, well, they won't respond well. You don't get that. You have to take your steps. You have to do what God has called you to do, and God will handle all of the other pieces of that. I mean, Proverbs gives us instructions when it comes to dealing with mockers, and I want to make sure that we deal with this excuse as well. In 9.8, it says, don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you well, I'm not going to address the issue with them because they're a mocker and they're just going to hate me. Well, don't correct them. Tell them what happened. Tell them that you're seeking wholeness. Tell them that you're seeking healing. And God's going to meet you in that situation. You won't always be able to correct their behavior, but you can seek after healing for yourself by dealing with them and saying, this happened. This was wrong. I want to forgive you. I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to do things right. And as you take those steps... You're going to experience that God begins to work. And one of the third reasons why it's so important to not let unresolved offenses stay in our life is that those will wound those near you. Unresolved offenses are going to wound the people that are around you. The people who don't deserve it. The the verbal abuse that you experienced as a child, the people around you are going to end up hearing that come from you if you don't deal with it. The pain that you've experienced If you just let it fester under the surface, it's going to spill out in other places. You know the saying, hurt people, hurt people. It's one of the reasons why we need to be a healed people, not just a hurt people. We just let it stay there, then it's going to find its way. And the way that the passage says it in verse 15 is that poisonous root of bitterness, it grows up to trouble you, corrupting many that it corrupts many people, not just you. When we allow it to stay in us, when we allow it to stay in our churches, when we're people who just act like everything's okay, it affects so many more people than just you and your heart. These roots, they make their way up into our future. So we have to find a way to make a change, and I think one of the ways that we make a change is being part of a, a group of people, a community, that says, it's okay to have a mess. You know, just like a plant in our house, if we were to reach in and pull it out by the roots, that there's dirt and mess flying everywhere, we have to be a church that says it's okay to come in and say we're going, we're struggling through a divorce. We have to be a church that says, okay, we'll walk with you and try to guide you through that. It's okay to be a place where we're recovering from abuse. It's okay to be a place where you're recovering from substance abuse. This has to be a place where it's okay to come in with something that we're recovering from. But especially if, man, that abuse has been sitting there, if that that offense has been sitting there in the dark of your life for 10 plus years, it's time for you to feel whole again. And this is the beautiful thing about what God has done for us is that Christ has paid what was owed. You don't owe anything. He just wants your heart. He wants your love. And he's going to lead you and ask you to respond in obedience. He's going to show you the way. God loves to see a heart change. Heaven loves to see a heart change. Loves to see a life change directions. I also think that's one of the things that we love so much about Dr. Seuss's story. We we all remember how it ends for the Grinch. There's something that happens in his heart. All right, let's play that last clip.
1: Mom, it's my fault. What, what is? All of this. I, I trapped Santa last night because I wanted to ask him to do something special for you. But I think I made him mad and that's why he stole everyone's Christmas. No, 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 honey, this isn't your fault. He didn't steal Christmas. He just stole stuff. Christmas isn't here. And besides, I already have the greatest gift I could ever get. You. Just one more shove. What's that? Do you hear it? I don't understand, Max! Christmas Day is in our breast. Don't they know what I've done? As he watched the small girl, he thought he might melt. If he did what she did, would he feel what she felt? And the luscious sound swelled, reaching up to the skies. And the Grinch heard with his heart, and it tripled in size.
0: We love the moment in the stories. We, we, the heart change, the shift, the moment where they step into who they're supposed to be. And we know that that's celebrated, but when it comes to us, why is there so much embarrassment and fear that keeps us from taking those steps that we need to take? Band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going to begin to wrap this thing up. Why why is it that when we know that there's a step that we need to take, that we're consumed by fear, when we celebrate, when anyone else does something to get whole, to get healed, to get the way that they're supposed to live? I want to tell you that there if there's a voice in your head that says, don't deal with this, just let it hide, all that's going to do is increase the pain that you felt in the past. God's desire is for you to open this up. And so I'm just real quickly going to give you two more passages. And the first one is a very clear instruction for how we're supposed to operate with each other in Colossians 3.13, where it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you Remember, listen to this, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I don't believe that that's just for their benefit, though it does. But that's because God wants something better for you than holding on to bitterness and holding on to offense. And I think it would be remiss of me to say you need to deal with these things without giving you just a few practical steps. If you're saying, okay, I know that I have an offense that I've been holding on to. How do I get started in dealing with this and giving this over to God? Well, how to find healing? Number one, stop the pain by addressing the issue. Stop pretending that it's not there. Stop thinking that it'll just go away on its own. The, the churchy word is confession, admitting. Put it out there acknowledge that it exists part of how we find healing within our body within our spiritual life is by confessing to a brother and sister is what James 5 says we need to begin to get it out there number two discover what healthy looks like in some of these areas we've only experienced dysfunction and abuse and you need to find out what is this supposed to look like what is scriptures design for a marriage what is scriptures design for communication begin to look and discover what God wants for you number three forgive yourself and forgive them many of you have carried things on your shoulders that that aren't yours to carry that God wants to take from you and you need to apply the same grace to yourself that you'd apply to someone else Number four, give it to God. And when I say give it to God, that doesn't mean that, oh, I gave it to God. It's his to deal with and I don't have to mess with it anymore. What it means when we give something to God is we're saying, this is yours. You have authority over it. What you tell me to do in this situation, I'm going to do. I understand that you're in charge. And so if I have to walk out of this relationship, I will walk out of it. If I have to make a change that will feel like work and feel like difficulty, I'll make that change because this belongs to you and I have to be obedient to you in regards to this. The goal is that our whole life gets that way. But with this offense, what God says to do, you're going to do it if you say this is His. Number five, receive what God has for you. What God has for you might be different than what you were dreaming of. What God has for you might be a different timeline than what you thought it would be, but recognizing that I'm going to receive what God gives me, saying I'm going to do this God's way. And as we take those steps, it may not be easy, but it is going to be good. And this passage I guess has just been on my heart lately the second half of 1 Peter 5:10 because of just how real this passage is in the Christian experience when you're chasing after God. And it says, so after you've suffered a little a little while, he will restore, support and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. There will be some struggle. There will be some difficulty. There will be some work. This is part of God's design. Healing is out there. Healing is possible. God wants you to experience it. But you've got to choose to take the step. You've got to choose to pull up that root of bitterness. I hope you know that when we make that change, there is a season of fruitfulness and joy ahead of us. Let's make the decision to not be a grinch. Seek after what God has. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the offenses that we've held on for so long, that you are able to heal, that you desire to heal. The pain that other people have brought into our life and the pain that we have caused. We just ask you to begin to lift those things from us today. Give us the courage and the wisdom to walk in faithfulness as you call us out of these hurts that we've held on to. I thank you that you call us to something better. We thank you for your love that was expressed in Jesus Christ. Guide us through today in Jesus' name.